We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 259. Scott, you thought for a second, just one second, it was going to be a Wednesday night and we didn't see Sonny Gray. We would, have, we would be able to record and not have to suffer through Sonny Gray. He actually wasn't that bad. It was Luis Sessa that was the, the bad part of the evening. Yeah, I mean, he still threw, what, three and a third and had to, had to go through 75 pitches. So the guy's still nibbling like, you know, no other and, and just having a hard time getting out and getting through at bats and putting people away. It's just painful watching him pitch. And yes, when you have to watch both of them pitch in one day, that's, uh, that's, that, that's, some, uh, that's getting butts in seats right there. I feel bad for the people who were uh, actually paying for a ticket. Our boy Nick Kirby was there uh, and he... Unfortunately, had to sit through that. Well, got you know driving who, him nuts. You know who I feel bad for is um, the couple that got engaged, and when they tell their future 
uh, children or their family members about the night they got engaged that the guy's going to have to say, yeah, well, uh, that was a Luis Sessa slash Sonny Gray game. Could have been a CC Sabathia game, but instead he got the dynamic duo of Sessa and Sonny. I feel like the details of those of the game itself will will fade into oblivion, and at some point it's going to turn into a Yankee win and an Aaron Judge home run, and someone will fact check it down the road and realize that Aaron Judge was on the DL and <laughs> no, they didn't win. But that will be the story. You got to build it up. I, I would never tell the story with uh, Luis Sessa or Sonny Gray in it ever. How, how about it was I would the lie? It was the night that Ronald Torres hashtag Team there Chemistry made his return. Hey, that's right. Team Chemistry, Chemistry in the air. She said yes. It was that's that's where you focus. You focus on the other things. <laughs> nothing to do with Luis Sessa and nothing to absolutely nothing to do with Sonny Gray. Oh boy, we're gonna get into everything. Uh, I just want to quickly mention um, to the people who came out to the the makeup event on Monday evening. Uh, the game sucked against the Mets, but we still had a lot of fun. A uh, good number of people were there. A couple people came to the pregame at the dugout, and then. Uh, a, a good number of people, you know, the, the stands kind of filled up late. I think people were, were keeping an eye on the weather to make sure it wasn't going to rain. It pretty much held out the whole night, um, but it was a fun night. So, so shout out to everybody who came back out for the, uh, the BP crew makeup game. Yeah, tough, tough times on a, a Monday night, though, too. You know, people are starting their work week and then have to jet out of there to get to the game. Uh, crappy weather. It was, it was just a, those Monday night games like that, they're, they're not fun to try to get to. Um, so good, good looking out. A lot of people I know changed their tickets in for other games too, because that was the, uh, uh, the rain makeup deal for the Yankees. Um, but hopefully we're not going to get any rain. Hopefully the, the, uh, the skies will be nice and clear for the 1998 team. That's going to be coming out and we're going to be celebrating them on Saturday. That's our next event. Um, all the, the t-shirts are, are showing up in mailboxes. I know a bunch of people have received them already. They look awesome. Um, I, I've, uh, I've seen the prints and they look really good. I'm, I'm really excited about this, uh, this t-shirt. If you haven't seen it, go check it out on our Twitter account or Instagram, Facebook. It's all over the place, but basically it's the, uh, it's when Mariano Rivera wins the world series and, and kind of goes down towards his knees, uh, with hands up and then has the, uh, some, some text around it too. So it came out really awesome. Shout out to Danny DeVito, who is uh, our guy doing some uh, design work with Bronx Pinstripes. He, was, uh, in, he, he and I collaborated on that design, and he did the, uh, the majority of that Mo uh, design, the, the, the Mo cutout, and made sure that he looked like himself. So that was, that's awesome. Um, but the event is this Saturday. Uh, starts at 10 o'clock at the dugout. We're going to do some breakfast beers, and then we're all going to roll into the game. Uh, the Yankees say they want you in the seats at 12 o'clock. Last time, if you recall, we were there at 12 o'clock, but the thing did not start till like 1230, and we were dying in the 300-degree the heat. Um, so it'll be around that, and then the, uh, the 98 team, and then we'll see the Yankees take on the Blue Jays. So I'm excited for that. It's going to be a fun weekend, and I know we have a lot of people coming into town for it. And one thing about these T-shirts for all these events, we always get people – tagging us on Twitter and Facebook asking if they can buy these shirts. And, you know, they're probably going to be for sale later down the road um, after all of the events are over because part of the the charm, I guess, I don't know what the word is, but part of the, uh, the cool thing about coming to the events is you get a T-shirt that you otherwise cannot buy. But if you do want one of these 1998 shirts with, with the graphic that, that Scott just uh, mentioned, we're going to give one away on Monday's show. And we're going to do it with just the regular ratings and reviews. But you guys have to bring the heat on this. Um, So go rate us and review us in iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Uh, Make the review funny. Make it witty. 
uh, tell us why uh, you like the show, maybe an inside joke or something that, uh, you know, some people have mentioned things from 150 episodes ago. Those are always fun to read. So we will pick a winner and give away one of those T-shirts next episode. Awesome. And then last thing, uh, last bit of housekeeping is the September 15th event. Um, that's going to be our last event of the season. And uh, hopefully it's not the last event for the year because hopefully we'll be able to do something for the playoffs. But the uh, I'm not even talking about that anymore. It's just we're, I'm just going to leave that one alone. Uh, if it happens, uh, then beautiful. We'll get some tickets. But um, September 15th is the, is the next and final event of the season. Um, again, it's the Blue Jays opponent. We're going to be right now it's at four o'clock, but it's a flex game. So it may move the time. I will. Uh, we will obviously let you guys know about that. Uh, but we got people already. I know people coming in from from London, people coming in from uh, New Zealand for for this event. Uh, so it's going to be a fun one. Definitely get your crew together. The same the same uh, deal applies that we've been uh, pretty much running all year. If you have a crew of 10 people or more, your ticket's free. If you get five or more, then your ticket's going to be half off. And you can shoot an email to info at Bronx Pinstripes and uh, BronxPinstripes.com and just tell me you're going to be doing that. And then I'll get you a code and you're all good. And you can set it up and you'll get the discount. So that's it, man. Let's get to some baseball. Did I, did I hear you kind of uh, not acknowledge the playoffs coming up? Are you, are you at that point? With this team right now, second best record in Major League Baseball, and you're at you're at the point in the season where you can't even acknowledge that they're going to make the playoffs. No, because the second the second best record in baseball right now doesn't mean a damn thing when you have when you have literally three teams on your ass. They're kind of on our ass at this point uh, compared to where they were before, and then you're you're not even remotely close to the other way of getting into the playoffs. So right now there's two spots that we're looking at, right? Like, yes, I know we're going to play till the end. And if the division is within sights at some point, then, then terrific. But if it's not, um, you know, it is what it is. You just got to keep trying to win ball games and, and, and see where you are. My, the reason I don't want to say anything is because I feel like people have been, uh, you know, taking it for granted. Like it's such a given. And I don't want to talk like that because at this point, I don't think it is a given. Not, not, that, I, not that I'm saying I don't, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I'm saying that I don't want to, I don't want to, 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 to make it uh, think like it's an assumption, like it's just going to happen. Because there are hungry teams that are behind the Yankees right now and playing good baseball. And you know what? They could, they could play better baseball than the Yankees down the stretch. And if that were to be the case, it would be very tight. So it's not an assumption. It's not a given. It's, uh, it's going to be a fight. Yeah, I think that's the key is that, the yes, if you look at the Yankees' overall record, you see that they have a little bit of a cushion in the wild card, and they're in a great spot to wrap things up, and they can set up their, their whoever they want to start, whether that's Severino, whether that's Hap, whether that's Lance Lynn, who the hell knows who it's going to be at this point. They're in a good spot that way. But at the same time, you look at what's happening every night on the field, and they're just not playing well. They're not playing good baseball. They're still winning a decent amount of games because the competition is trash, but you lost to the Mets on Monday. The Mets are a crappy team. You lost one of the two games so far to the Rays. The Rays, I know, are hovering around 500, but they don't have a starting rotation anymore. They are bullpenning the crap out of this thing. It is their... I don't know how they're winning baseball they, games. Because they have the Yankees number. I mean, they, know, they apparently know how to pitch every single apparently. person on this team. And they apparently. know how to play the Yankees very well. But like you were saying, yes, Oakland is one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. They are the, in the second wild card spot as we speak. But they're only two games behind Houston in the AL West. And I think this AL West race is getting extremely interesting because Houston's in first with a two-game lead over Oakland and a four-and-a-half-game lead over Seattle. 
All of those teams are going to be playing each other a bunch in September because that's what you do. You play in-division games. So it is very, very, very unlikely that all three of those teams make the playoffs. But there is a scenario where Oakland is the hot team in September, overtakes Houston, and then before you know it, the Yankees are hosting the friggin' Houston Astros with Justin Verlander or Garrett Cole on the mound. Not AJ Cole, Garrett Cole, which would suck. And uh, this is a whole different thing than facing either Oakland or Seattle. No, it's 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 true, and, and that's the thing. Like to me, you know, talking about these things, I don't know. And I, you know, everybody's talking about jinxes and all these things. And and when we talk about this twice a week on on this show, and then you know, send send it out through the inner podcast webs of the world, and people listen to us, like, yeah, okay. So if we say anything against it, then it's a jinx. So I'm not jinxing it. That's the bottom line right now. I'm not jinxing the playoffs. I'm not jinxing anything. I just want to win games. If we win games that are in front of us, maybe good things will happen. Um, but that's it. The Yankees have to. They definitely have to keep their their head above uh, above water right now because. They're just not playing well. They're they're really just not playing well. It's it's feel it's even though they've won those games against uh, in Texas, it's just felt like uninspired baseball lately. It, I don't know how else to put it. it, it I feel like the emotion is not there. I just feel like it's it just feels a little different. I don't know. Feels a little flat, right? It, it does this, feel flat. What is the excuse for this team being flat? Because um, I guess I guess you could say that they've. Uh, They've accepted the fact that they're just going to be a wild card team. Is, no, is that what's going on here? That's ridiculous. Nobody's accepting the fact that they're anything at this point. Of course, they they, they think they're going to go out there and, and they can win games. There's no doubt about it. I, I don't I don't really uh, I'm not looking around the diamond and, and and calling out guys out saying like this guy's not playing uh, because he's you know he's being complacent or any like anything like that. I don't think that's the case at all. For, for whatever reason, together when we're watching them play, they're just not playing well and. And yeah, it just feels flat. Like the emotion's not there. It doesn't feel like they're having as as much fun as they were. And obviously, winning is more fun. Um, but even when they're winning, it just doesn't seem. I don't know. There's just. I feel like there's something. Uh, there's something not not there. And and we know Aaron Judge is not there. We know Gary Sanchez isn't there. So I'm sure that is that plays a lot of it when you don't have um, you know the face of the franchise really in in the in the lineup every day. That's a big deal. And injuries are definitely a part of it. But no also guys who are in there are not performing how they were performing early in the season. Gleyber Torres is not performing at all. He's been terrible since he came back from the DL, and he was a huge part of the, in the first half of the season why this team took off. But I think the biggest issue is Luis Severino. And at least when we spoke earlier in the season when Severino was dominating, we could say, well, if the Yankees are the wild card team, they can throw Severino out there and beat anybody. But with the way he's pitching over his last seven starts, they can't beat anybody with Severino. They can't even beat the Mets. They can't even beat the Mets. No, they cannot beat the Mets, and it's it's a problem. We've been waiting for him to to kind of round back into form after the All Star break. I've I've been talking about that. I, I think it's a mechanical slump, and I and I still think it's it's mechanical. I, I do. I don't I don't think there's an injury. It doesn't look like there's any kind of an injury, um, but he's just not getting the same bite on his on his uh, on the on the slider on the fastball. It just doesn't seem like the same movement is there. Uh, he's not throwing that frisbee like he was, you know, early in the season where where he's getting. The, the ridiculous slider movement across the plate and, and guys are just looking foolish. You're not seeing that as much anymore. Well, I actually think the bigger issue is the lack of swings and misses he's getting on his fastball. 
Um, so if you look at just the whiff percentage on his fastball by month, April, it was 21%. May, it was 22%. It went up to 27% in June, which was probably his best month. And now it's down to 13% in both July and August. So that's a pretty significant drop off, even when you look at 21 and 22% in April and May. So what's happening is guys are not missing the fastball. So he's either going to get hit early in the counts or they can just totally ignore the slider. Even if it is getting good movement and good break, it's going to be a ball. It's going to go out of the strike zone or they'll just, they'll just sit on it or they'll just, they'll just um, spit on it. I'm not going to swing at that. I'm going to hit your fastball instead. Well, and that's what we saw. I mean, when, when we're watching – when we're watching him play against the Mets, like they weren't swinging at the pitch, they weren't swinging at a lot of his breaking stuff. And you know, to me, when you're when you're seeing the the whiff percentage like that, and you're and you're seeing that decline, because that's a significant decline. Uh, when you're talking about from from June to July, it's it's uh, that's fifty percent. I mean, that's that's a that's a big deal. That's a that's a big chunk of what you're looking at. Um, but it's the location of it as well. I think that's part of it. Like he's leaving that fastball over the plate. We're not seeing him paint the corners as much anymore. We're not seeing uh, the velocity still there. There's there's still a little bit of movement. One I, mile an hour difference, which I, I don't think makes. I don't as, think that makes a huge that doesn't difference. make that big, especially when he's averaging ninety seven point two miles an hour or whatever it is instead of ninety eight miles an hour. It's like that's not really going to make the difference. It's the location. He's missing location drastically. So you throw a ninety eight mile an hour fastball down the pipe is going to get crushed. I don't care who you are. I'm still wondering. I'm still like really, really, really contemplating the fact that he's still somewhat tipping that pitch. And tipping a fastball or tipping a slider? Tipping, it doesn't matter. What, probably a fastball. You look at, the, look at those percentages. So they, they must know a fastball is coming at that point, right? Well, I guess it, in effect, if you're tipping... It doesn't matter what pitch you're tipping. It doesn't matter what he's tipping no. because if he's tipping a slider, then the the batter can just say, "Well, I'm going to sit fastball instead." Like he right. does throw a changeup, but it's such a small percentage of time right. that I'm going to play the percentages here. I know a slider's uh, not coming, so I'm going to sit fastball. And and vice versa, if he's tipping his fastball, they'll just like you said, spit on the slider, and that's what's happening. So, well, the Yankees have said because they've been asked, like people have asked this, and they've said he's not tipping pitches, right? Well, they I mean, maybe say, they, they wouldn't come that. out and say it. Maybe they wouldn't come out and say it. But, but it's Why, been seven starts. He's got crushed for seven starts. There, there's something going on mechanical. And, and within those mechanical issues, there, there could be something that is, is showing the pitch. And it may not be an obvious thing. I don't know what it is. And this is just conspiracy theory talking. Because, because I, I, don't know, I don't know when you're looking at what he's doing right now and, and the way he looks physically and the way he's throwing, it doesn't look all that different from, from what we saw early in the season. The, the biggest difference that I'm seeing now is, is, yes, he's missing location, but they're also sitting on that fastball, it seems like, and, and they're able to hit it, obviously, with those, with those statistics showing that they're not missing the fastball. So does that mean that they're either just you know, not swinging at the slider because you know, maybe the slider's not being thrown for strikes as a, a high percentage, or they're just waiting for that fastball period and just sitting fastball? They're A-riding the entire at-bat. <laughs> By that, you mean just guessing? Guessing fastball, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, A-Rod made a pretty good career guessing fastball. Yeah, but he would guess fastball all the time. So since July 1st, July 1st was the last day that Severino looked like Severino when he had a really good start against Boston. That was the, the David Price um, just demolition that the Yankees did on Sunday Night Baseball. So it's been seven games since then. 36 innings, 54 hits. Mm. 30, only 35 strikeouts, so less than a strikeout per inning. 
11 home runs allowed, which we talked last episode about how that's double the total. Um, 750 ERA and a 1,000, 1.016 OPS allowed. He's getting absolutely bombarded. I, I don't know what to say anymore about what, what it is with him because, I mean, I, I'm sticking to my guns on this. Like My intuition and my gut is telling me that it's a mechanical issue. And for whatever reason, he has not fixed it. Because he doesn't look hurt. He doesn't look like anything is affecting him. They've talked about that, you know, they've looked him up and down. They've done the CSI on, you You know damn well that they're asking him every time and, and looking for any kind of injury because uh, if they could see something, they're going to address it. They would not let him go out there injured. They just wouldn't. The Yankees don't do that anymore. So, so <laughs> I don't know what the deal is with him. That's I, I don't, 80s Yankees I don't shit. know why he is not able to get back to the uh, the same you know, performance as far as the um, the execution of his pitches, because that's the bottom line. He's not executing the pitches like he was in the first half. Well, it's not even getting back to the same dominant pitcher he was. I mean, he he's he's worse than Sonny Gray was when he was in the rotation these first seven straight starts. Like, this, th- this isn't even average. This isn't even passable. You you can't win with this, and they're not winning with this. The Yankees are three and four. Somehow they've won three of those seven games. Three and four in those seven games. And prior to that, in his 18 starts, they were 16 and two. So the Yankees were one of the best teams. Uh, They were unbeatable pretty much when Severino took them out. That was what made him the ace is that he went out there and he led. I know I think he was leading the league since the start of last season in one run or zero earned run starts. And and now for seven straight starts, it's just been it's just been trash. Yeah. Uh, the other thing for him is obviously when you're winning and you're doing well, you know, this was kind of what I was talking about earlier. Like the team chemistry is there. You're having fun. Like Labor Torres, when he's playing well, he's like, you know, the young kid out there doing all sorts of like dancing with Didi and like everything is great. But then when you start struggling and, and, you know, you start getting into your own head about things like it's not fun anymore and you start pressing and you start doing all these things. And, and I think, you know, part of part of the fact that he's struggling you know, with the uh, with the results of of, uh, of his pitches, is is he's he's also doing that. I think he's he's down on himself. I think he's critical, hard, very hard on himself. I I'll call back that one. Uh, uh, I can't remember what game it was when when um it was it was versus somebody terrible. It was a it was a bad. I think it was the Orioles actually when Rothschild came out and talked to him in the middle of an at bat or the middle of an inning because you could just see that he was so frustrated that he gave up a hit when he didn't think that he you know. He thought either he was executing the pitch well or he was just frustrated with himself because he didn't throw the ball where he wanted it to. You could just tell there was a lot of frustration. And I, and I think there is that building up as well. When he's not getting the results that he's used to, um, like he did this season, it's not like a Sonny Gray thing where we're, we're looking back two to three years on, on you know what Sonny Gray was. We're looking back now at, at a month ago and, and a month and a half ago and looking to see what this guy was. And if he's getting frustrated, you know, that could build up too, but I really do. I, I, I believe that it, it comes down to a mechanical issue with what's happening with him, and, and those can be fixed. Uh, those can be fixed, and then once you fix them and you get that rep- repetition and you have the confidence that you fixed it, you know, then, then your uh, demeanor on the mound can change again. So, Well, do you think the fact that they have not been able to identify and fix something yet means they haven't found anything yet? Or have they identified something and Severino has just not been able to go out there and do it? Um, yeah, I think maybe a little of both. I don't know. Like the frustration when I saw 
again, when I saw Rothschild come out like that, it, there was something going on. So I, I feel like they have seen something and maybe there's a, you know, maybe they're, they're not seeing the whole picture, but they've seen something and, and it's just not working out on the mound. I don't know. I'm guessing. I'm honestly guessing at this point because, you know, there's really when you look at the tape, when you look at all these things. Yeah, when you look at the video, when you're watching him pitch, when you're doing all these things, and you're as a fan watching what this guy is, and you know what he can be, and, and then what he's doing right now, it's tough to watch because you're not seeing. You're seeing a different result, but you're not seeing a, a different guy on the mound. You're seeing a very similar guy. You know, the confidence isn't there. That's, that's one thing that's very obvious. And that's because the result isn't there. So there's a, there's a chicken and the egg situation going on with, with those two. And, and if that's it, then, then yeah, he's gotta, it's got to be fixed, and it, and it can be fixed. So It's absolutely. I mean, absolutely. The swagger that we loved from Severino is not there. But we've seen in these last couple starts against the Mets and then against Boston – a couple innings of, oh, Severino has figured it out. Like, right. he gave up the two runs in the first inning to the Mets on Monday, and then two scoreless innings. It was still a lot of pitches. He was still laboring. But you thought maybe, okay, maybe he's turned a corner. And then, boom, he comes out in the fourth inning and gives up two runs. And a similar thing happened in that start at Fenway Park against the Red Sox, where um, where he got hit early and then settled in, but then lost it again and then had to be taken out. So it, it, it's, it's, it's almost like he, he finds it for a second but can't hold on to it. And, and to me, that, that just kind of supports my theory of the mechanical issue because usually when, you, when a guy is struggling with, with the way that his body, like, you know, you have that muscle memory down, you have the mechanics, you, you know the proper uh, way your body should feel during your, um, during your windup, during your delivery, during the entire time you're, you, know, you catch the ball and then deliver the ball to the catcher. And if you, if you are, are not repeating that same motion consistently and you have some kind of a mechanical flaw in there, you'll co- you'll go off the rails for, for small amounts of time. And then you can find it and correct it and it's going well, but then you go off the rails again because that, that flaw comes back. Like th- that, that leads me to believe that it, it's absolutely mechanical in that point because there are points where he can fix it and, and, and he looks good, but then, you know, he comes off and, and whether that it goes back to, um, you know, not just not executing the the mechanics properly, or fatigue going into the to, to why he can't do that. You know, maybe there is some kind of a fatigue, and in, in, uh, you know, I've talked about the lower half because uh, we're not really seeing much of arm fatigue, at least it's not visible. So, well, the, yeah, I mean, the fatigue also could play a factor in the fact that last year, twenty seventeen, he had a career high in innings. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's that's a long time. <laughs> you, I mean, pitchers. That's okay, what they but do. maybe, they, but they maybe you don't you don't feel. I know, I know. But they climb the, the next day. They feel do. it in April and May. You don't feel it until later in the season when things really start to pile up. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I I just I have a hard time going back to last year and saying that oh he pitched the 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 most he's ever pitched in in his career and that's why he's struggling now in July and August. I just have a hard time circling those two. Okay, well, how about this? How about the, the uh, Severino cannot throw to Romine? Uh, I'm, excuse I'm on, that I'll, I've, I'll do that that I've one. seen people uh, throw around. Oh, you're on that one. So you're on the yeah, let's try personal that. catcher train? Okay. <laughs> no, so, I'm not on the personal catcher train. I, 13, I don't no, no, think it has anything the, to do no, with it. I, I hate Ronald Torres, and you believe in personal catchers. So <laughs> Severino to Romine, 13. Well, first of all, you do hate Ronald Torres. So no, you know what, you know what it is? Straight. I he, love... He's short, he, he's short, and you hate short people. I love uh, arguing with people who think I hate Ronald Torres. I get joy out of that. <clears throat> okay, because you do hate him. Anyway, Romine, 13 starts, 
384 ERA, 713 OPS allowed by Severino. Two starts to Higgy, 231 ERA, 578 OPS allowed. So apparently he needs to be throwing to Higgy because that's the best, the best numbers, even though it's small sample. And to Gary Sanchez, very good numbers, 10 starts, 60 innings, 267 ERA, 607 OPS allowed. Um, I mean, I, I understand like things can pitchers can have rhythms. We've admitted this before. Pitchers have rhythms with certain catchers. But to sit there and say Gary Sanchez has been on the DL since the end of June and Severino's been struggling since the end of June, boom, that's the reason I think is asinine. Just like it was asinine that Gary Sanchez was causing Sonny Gray to throw meatballs down the middle of the plate. Well, isn't isn't Sonny Gray pitching lights out to uh, to Higgy also? Yes, in like the the two and a third innings that he's thrown to him. So, so 13 <laughs> innings total between Higgy and uh, Severino and uh, Sonny Gray, you know, sub three ERA. Okay, so let's, maybe let's put we that just out need there. to move Gary Sanchez to first base when he comes back. Yes. Greg Bird, uh, I Bye. haven't figured out what we're going to do with Greg Trent Bird Trent Thunder. But, but uh, Romine backup catcher, Higgy starting catcher. Yes, yeah, yeah. That, that will probably solve all of our pitching woes. Okay. I think that's the solution. Ronald Torres, uh, team mascot? Or utility player, or both. No. Uh, well, he could be the starting second baseman right now because oh, our second, second baseman, baseman. Str- yeah, and he's the backup catcher or trade third catcher. Trade Glaber Torres. Put him somewhere. Put else. him up. Put him on waivers. Yeah, let's just change the whole thing up. <laughs> no, I mean, the, look, the, the the it's funny when you look at the splits and to see who they're throwing to and you see the different successes or whatever. It just it absolutely means to me nothing. But um, it you know it, it very well could mean that. You know, they were, they were uh, pitching well on a given day, and, and it, it didn't matter who the hell was behind there. John Flaherty could have been back there, and they would have been pitching well. I mean, John Flaherty knows all about the personal catching situation too, but um, look, I don't know why Severino's not doing well. I don't, and it's, it's, it's frustrating to watch because, and you know it's frustrating to him because it's written all over his face. He's frustrated, and I think that is what's so telling is that he doesn't, I don't think, understand why or he's just so... You know, aggravated that he's not able to do the things that he, uh, you know, thinks he could do or they, they've identified that he should do. So, can we agree out of all of the metrics, all of the numbers that we just discussed, which there was a lot of it, the one that I think is really important is the fastball whip, whip percentage. And that may be a mechanical issue as you're speculating. We don't, we're not the people to figure out what is or why he is struggling, but I really think that is getting to the crux of, of his issues right now. It's that people are hitting his fastball. And we've, we, we know when a pitcher doesn't, especially Severino, one of the best fastballs in Major League Baseball, not only for starting pitchers, but just in general for all pitchers. When that pitch, when he doesn't have that pitch, he's going to struggle. Well, see, here's the thing. I want to play devil's advocate about that stat as a little bit too because it's a result Okay, so we're looking at the, the, the whiff percentage as a result of what happens on the fastball. So, but, but that doesn't tell you what happened. Um, doesn't, doesn't tell you why it's happening. It doesn't tell you the fact that oh, maybe the, the slider isn't as good and they're just sitting fastball and they don't have to respect the slider as much. So now they're just looking fastball. And anybody, I don't care who you are in major leagues, if, you're, if they know you're throwing your fastball or if they're only sitting one pitch, they're going to be able to hit you. That's it's. I don't. It doesn't matter how good your fastball is, unless you're Mariano if it's not, Rivera. If it's not working off of no, well, even Mariano Rivera had to work off of another pitch, 
Mariano yeah. Rivera threw the. That was a cutter. That was different. That thing had movement. Well, and it was well, saw bats. But this uh-huh. this is a fastball that if you're not working off of another pitch, and we've talked about how he needs to work off of a third pitch even because when he came when he tried to the, the first time he tried to be a starter after um, you know being relegated to the bullpen and doing really well with two pitches. He wasn't able to to you know make the results match because he was only throwing those two pitches. If he didn't have that third pitch, it wasn't working out as well. Even if he had to show it a little bit. So when you don't have that deception, when when guys are looking for one thing and, and just kind of sitting on on one pitch, then I don't I don't really care how good it is. It's the same thing with uh, Chapman and his slider and fastball. Like they got to work off of each other. So yeah, the 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 stat tells me that they're able to hit his fastball, but it doesn't tell me why they're hitting that fastball. And and to me, that's where the problem is. The the problem is why this is happening. So I'm looking at his Brooks baseball card right now, and for his three main three main pitches: <clears throat> fastball, changeup, slider. His slider is getting about the same number of swings and misses as it was all season. He actually had a little bit of a dip in June and July, but his slider swing per- swing and miss percentage in August is right where it was in April and May. And his changeup is actually getting more swings and misses. But does now, it say how frequently they're throwing them? Uh, no, it's just per- it's just. No, it, I mean, I could, I'm sure I could look that up too. But what I'm saying is, I really think the fact that batters are just going up there and pummeling the fastball as soon as they see it, that is, that is, what, we're, that is what the major issue is with him. But, but they're looking for it too, right? They're I mean, that's, that's what it, it seems yeah. like they're looking for it. So if you're looking for a pitch, any, any major league hitter, even Sugar Shane Robinson, if he's looking for one pitch, can hit a pitch. Mm, they're they're major league fastball. baseball players. They can hit a fastball. Uh, even if it's a really good fastball. If you're not concerned or you're, you're going up there with an all-fastball approach and you're not, you're not even trying to, to swing at some of these other pitches or if you're not trying to, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're just trying to foul them off or, or whatever you're doing, whatever the approach is. Um, there could be an approach shift. You know, maybe maybe the the uh, the league has changed their approach uh, to Luis Averino, and and now they're just attacking his fastball rather than, um, you know, attacking his breaking spot, his breaking stuff. And and you know, I don't know if it's identifiable out of his hand. It, when you're throwing at 99 miles an hour, it shouldn't be. It doesn't matter. It should be on you in a blink. But if they're sitting waiting for that fastball, that could be a big difference. That could be a very big difference. Uh, so where are we on the DEFCON scale with Luis Severino at this point? Well, the problem, the, the bigger, the biggest thing is that, it, it, you know, and I don't know how many times we got to say this, but if Luis Severino is not right, this team is not doing anything this year. They're just not. They may make the playoffs, but they're not going to make a significant move in the playoffs if Luis Severino is not the same guy. And, and if he's not that, that, that guy who can come out there and lead your staff. I'm not saying he's got to throw a shutout every time he's out there, but he's got to lead your staff and have the confidence um, of the guys behind him, and he's got to have the confidence that he's going to go out there and go deep into a game and, and, and you know pitch well. If he's not there, then it affects the entire team in a big way. So DEFCON status, uh, it's getting worse. <laughs> that's, that's all I know is that it's get, the, the light is, is starting to shine a lot brighter on him uh, because, honestly, the, the season, uh, the success of the season – rests on Severino's arm. I mean, as much as you don't want to put it on one guy, it's not on just on one guy, but it's a lot of it is on, on uh, his success. So, you know, we're not at one where nuclear war is imminent, but maybe we're at a two, 2.5. No, what is, where does the scale start? Is one, f- one, one is the worst. One yeah. is like, we're going to get bombed by North Korea tomorrow. Okay, and, we're, and we're not fi- there. And, and five is like hunky-dory, everything's good, Yankees are going to win the World Series. Okay, so, I mean, I'm, I'm at like a three then. The okay. middle, yeah, I'm like, I'm like close to being. You're at a really, three. You can see Billy Bean in the rearview mirror. 
Why am I seeing Bill? Oh, Billy, objects of may the, appear closer than they because of than the Oakland are. A's. Okay, um, yeah, the, <laughs> I forgot about Billy being being the Oakland A's. I thought we were just talking shit about him being a general manager. But um, no, the, so I I was I have not been worried honestly. Like I have not been worried. I feel like it's going to figure itself out. We've been downplaying it, but this is now seven starts. This is it's this getting is, to that point. Yeah, it's, it's getting, getting it's getting to, the to point. be a significant I'm, amount that you I'm, can actually make a judgment. I'm officially worried. I'm not panicking. I'm worried. Right. Yeah, and I so, think that's a fair, fair uh, take. We're all, to have we're all, I mean, the team right is now. screwed if he doesn't get back to form. That's, yes, that's the bottom line. Yes, the team is right. screwed. Um, and he didn't really. So Monday, the he's going up against Degrom. So uh, immediately, you know, you have to shut down the other opponent. He couldn't right. do that. But at the same time, I don't think Degrom was his normal sharp unbelievable self he was still good he still pitched seven innings and only three runs I think two of them were earned but the Yankees scratched and clawed in that game and actually tried to come back a few different times and then Aaron Boone leaves AJ Cole out there to give up a few meatballs and it's and it's game over game is iced that was that was one of the more frustrating times I've ever uh, I've, I've, I've had with Boone so far as as far as me like you know, making a, a judgment about what he does. And I know he's done this before. He's left guys in too late, uh, too long, and, and they've gotten t- touched up. But to me, it was very, 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 very obvious that A.J. Cole had nothing. And, and there's no reason to leave a guy like A.J. Cole in a game when he has nothing. Because when A.J. Cole is bad, then, you know, the Mets will hit you. And that's what happened. The Mets started teeing off, and they hit, what, three home runs off of him. So five home runs in the game. They hit five home runs in the month of July. They looked much. like the Yankees early in the season. Like they, they looked like an actual offense. It was embarrassing. It was a. It was a. It was a terrible, terrible day. And to me, at that point, when 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 Aaron Boone left AJ Cole in a game that was still there, and like you said, they were scratching some runs against uh, Degrom. I mean, he was striking out everybody else, but they they were able to hang in there and score some runs. Uh, if you get if three the game runs is off still of there. DeGrom, I think that's about as much as you can ask for. No doubt. And the game is still there. We know the Mets' bullpen isn't, isn't good. Is their closer still freaking what's-his-face? Uh, homeboy from the Yankees? Um, Swarzak. Swarzak. Isn't that, isn't that their damn closer? <laughs> I mean, Anthony Swarzak's on their pitching rotation. I don't even know if he's there anymore, but he, he was there the last time we played. But the point is, once you get DeGrom out of the game, uh, even though in like the sixth and seventh inning, like he just he just kept getting fast innings. Uh, even when he hit a hundred pitches, he came back he out. He looked got his another... best in the seventh inning. Yeah, actually. And, he, <laughs> and he he was over a uh, hundred pitches to start the inning. So look, the guy's good. When you when you score that many runs against him, you're in the game. And the fact that he left AJ Cole in there to just serve up two more home runs after the first one, um, it was like waving the white flag to the Mets. That's what it felt like. And and it was it was uh, to me one of the worst moments for for Boone. Like I was very angry at that at that point when he left Colin because it was it was clear that that Cole had nothing. And you don't leave a guy like that in the game in a winnable game because I think it was still winnable at that point. Um, of course it, it was. It took the it took the complete emotions out. It took everything out, and then the game was done. And then you bring in freaking George Contos or whatever. And and again, <laughs> you're waving the white flag. That is absolutely waving the white flag. Leaving Colin and then bringing George Contos in uh, to to you know, to pitch after that. It was, it was, it was an embarrassment. I could have hit George Contos. His fastball was sitting at about 85 miles an hour. Yeah, it was terrible. It really was. And then you add Keith, Keith freaking Olbermann talking about God knows what, um, with, uh, with Timmy Kirchin and, uh, and Perez in there. Sorry. I missed that. (laughs) Kirchin. I like, I think he's funny. I think he's like a genuinely 
like giddy yeah, guy about baseball. Yeah, but he's baseball. like a char- he's not a in the booth kind of guy though. He's no. a great studio guy as like a character. Yeah, and he just loves baseball so yeah, much. Yeah, he he's does. Just so he's just so uh, giggly all the time. That it's hard it's not nice to like to have. I mean, I but you don't maybe- want you don't want nine straight innings of that. It was a weird booth. It was a weird booth. I didn't even know Keith Olbermann was like a, a, in the consideration. So I thought for he was stuff. fired by ESPN. Yeah, but he's been coming back and doing like little things. I don't know how much he's been doing with ESPN. It's not like I watch it all the time anymore, but I know he's done little cameo things with ESPN. So I feel like they're back in the good graces because I don't think he's doing the news anymore. Is he? Is he on like one of those news show, the news channels? He was. I don't think he is anymore. No, he left ESPN to go to some news channel. He went to like MSNBC or CNN or one yeah, of those Yeah, he came back to ESPN and he had that night show that nobody watched. And I thought that's when ESPN let him go. But apparently he's back. I don't know. I don't know. The ES- uh, that show, I think, went down with the Joe Buck show into the, uh, the late night <laughs> Hall of Shame. But, uh, but yeah, he was back and he was, you know, he's just, he's very like snarky, sarcastic with his comments. And, you know, if you don't like that, he'll bother, he doesn't bother me as much, uh, but I know he was making a lot of people mad. Um, Yeah, maybe they were also mad that the fact that the Mets were beating the Yankees. Yeah, there's an undertone there for sure. Uh, It was salt in the wound. So we were bitching about Boone. So let me just quickly bring this up in tonight's game on Wednesday night. So... Sessa gives him absolutely nothing. Sonny Gray comes in, and like you said, he threw 75 pitches, was it, in three and a third 74, innings? 75, something like right. that, in three and a third. But you're already letting him take one for the team. Why are you bringing Chad Green in the eighth inning? Like, why waste Chad Green's bullets? Just continue to let Sonny Gray take one for the team down five in the eighth inning. What are you doing there? Why even burn Chad Green? The only thing I can think of is that Sonny Gray was at 75 pitches, and he wasn't fully stretched out for throwing more innings. That's the only thing I could think of. Because when I saw the Who pitch cares? count... I mean, I guess, but when I saw the pitch count... When I saw that pitch... Because, you know why? Because right now, CC Sabathia is hurt, and Luis Sessa's not going to take another turn, so guess who's going to get it? Sonny Gray's going to be back in that rotation soon enough. No, and, I think the CC thing is just... You know, he was. He said he was feeling a uh, little bit of the knee issue for two straight starts. Meanwhile, they were two pretty good starts for for Sabathia, and I think the Yankees took this opportunity where he, because of off days next week, only has to miss one start, and they can get him on the DL with a little ten day sabbatical. I think I Sabathia mean, is making his next start. Uh, that's what they say he is, but doesn't it concern you now that that this has become an issue enough to the point where he had to miss a start? And, no, and because he does every year knee, knee knee inflammation every single year with Sabathia. Right, but when you get a year older, those knee inflammations won't go away at some point. They're going to stay there, and they're going to continue to stay there. And the age, Father Time is going to come and knock him on his ass, especially when he starts when he continues to uh, to field these ground balls that are in front of the in front of the mound, <laughs> sliding all over the Take goddamn divots place, out of the taking divots out of there. And yeah, yeah, I'm sure that felt really good on his knee. I'm just gonna because if the Yankees also lose Sabathia, then then. And double screwed. But I'm going to just believe what they're telling us right now and that this is a minor thing for Sabathia and the rest is going to do him good. So I, I hope so too. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely hope so. And I, I think he is going to make his next start. Uh, it's just, to me, it's concerning that it's happening. And, uh, and, and, you know, if it flared up now, it could absolutely flare up again. But so Sonny Gray was at 75 pitches and he hadn't gone, I don't know what his pitch count was the last time he was out. But it, it Low certainly because wasn't. he got booed off the mound after like an inning. And the one plus. before that, he pitched well. So I think his, his, his pitch count was actually manageable when he actually did pitch well. And it, I think it was three innings as well. 
So, you know, they're trying to manage that, too. So I don't think they're going to let him go 100 pitches out of the bullpen, you know, not preparing for a start. So, so I think that, why that not, absolutely played into it. Why not use A.J. Cole? Because at that point, you're just giving up again. I, I don't know. You're, or, you're already down five, and you have a day game tomorrow you, against Blake Snell. Tanaka against Blake Snell. You have a day game on Thursday. Chad Green will probably come in handy. Except for the fact he pitched over an inning. I think it was an inning and two-thirds or an inning and a third tonight. So he's not available on Thursday. So Boone just has – I think I figured out Boone's uh, – I cracked the code on Boone's bullpen management. He has a spreadsheet. And it's, it's – oh, look, Wednesday. It's Chad Green's turn to pitch. I'm not even going to look at the score. I just know at some point in tonight's game, Chad Green needs to pitch. The thing with Chad Green right now, though, is he's not that like he's not the seventh, eighth inning guy that he was last year. He's not the guy that were that the Yankees are leaning on as that seventh, eighth inning guy. There's there are uh, David Robertson, Batantis, then Chapman. Like there's three guys that are slotted towards the end of the bullpen. And when you're looking at the the potential guys, if you're if you're not using AJ Cole because he may not have even been available, but if you're not if you if if you're not using him, you have to take Sonny Gray out of the game. Who else are you going to? There's, there aren't uh, the options are you're gonna get if someone's gonna get mad to AJ, about if somebody. If you're not else. gonna go to AJ Cole, then let Sonny Gray throw his arm off. I don't care at this point. Right, we don't care, but I think they're trying to keep him relatively healthy in case they need him to go back out there and throw, you know, eighty pitches in four innings for the next time he starts. Just in case Jay Happ gets Coxsackie again. Coxsackie comes back, doesn't it? Like, if you, what if he doesn't take his antibiotics all the way through the cycle? You've got to take like your it, antibiotic, even if you feel better, people. Take your antibiotics all the way through. Is it not like the chicken pox where you can only get it once? I have no idea. Uh, so, Hap has been very, very good for the Yankees in three starts. 19 innings pitched, and he's only given up four runs and eight hits. And he gave up just one hit in seven innings. Uh, against the Rays, he had four early walks. Kind of looked like he was trying to find a rhythm. Found it late, and was pretty much lights out from I want to say like fourth, fifth, and sixth inning. I thought it was super impressive to see that that you know not that he walked the guys, but that he was able to work around those walks, and that he you know there's adversity that comes in the beginning of the game and and you know into the game itself. Um, once once he's uh, once he's you know found his groove a little bit, and, and then he walks four guys and he's able to get around of it. Um, and then he comes back and pitches very well and goes deep in the game. Like a lot of pitchers on, in our rotation will walk four guys early on and, you know, they're not making it out of the fourth 97 inning. 97 pitches in four innings. Not happening. Yeah, they're not, they're not able to get out of it. But he's able to, you know, get the ground balls um, and, and, you know, manage that pitch count. So it's, it's Im- he's impressive. He really is. Like this, the whole thing that he's, uh, you know, when he was struggling – uh, against the when he was with the Blue Jays before the deadline, the Yankees. I was listening on the broadcast. They were talking about the Yankees felt that if if uh, if he was on the Yankees at that point with those same outings, that they wouldn't have been uh, you know as bad. Like the defense was bad. There were other things that that contributed to his bad start. So they didn't see them as um, as alarming, I guess, as what the numbers looked like. So that's that's good. And, and what we're seeing is is a guy who can pitch kind of in and out of trouble and and still give you length and he's been nothing but great since he's come over honestly nothing but great yeah he's dominated the royals the rangers and the Rays. beautiful all the three teams that we can't beat without him 
<laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I think also a factor maybe that Hap is a little bit uh, motivated to be in a pennant race. So he yeah, said it's, mo- so. it's motivating to pitch in Yankee Stadium to be on this team in a pennant race. So that's good as well. So, okay, you have the manager hat on on October 1st preparing for the wild card game. Are you pitching Lance Hap or Ja Lin? Oh, my God. Did you mean to do that? <laughs> yes. Okay. The, the uh, I mean, Jay Happ's the guy right and, now. And maybe I didn't. Who the hell knows? Because <laughs> I don't think he did. Jay Happ is pitching, uh, is pitching very well right now. And, and I think that, you know, he just has that demeanor where, where you trust him to go out there and, uh, and, and, you know, keep you in a game. And I don't think he would be the number one choice by any means. I still think that they're going to go um, – with uh, Severino or even uh, Tanaka. Tanaka, again, he's been pitching well. He, his last outing was not good, but, but look at you know, the, the four or five outings before that. He's been very good since he's been back. So um, I still think Tanaka has, uh, you know, he's, he's earned that in the sense that he's made big starts in the playoffs before, and he's pitched pretty well. I think at this point, if Severino does not, I mean, he's got to turn things around. If he doesn't yes. turn things around, then obviously that's, that's a whole different story. Right. If he turns things around, it's, it's pretty much no doubt Severino. But the Yankees, let's just play the hypothetical situation. The wild card game is next week. What are you doing? Who are you starting in that game? Well, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to play that hypothetical game right now. Nah, you got one guy it. hurt. We, we played it last week. We played it on the last damn episode. We ha- we have, we? It's late. Yeah, I don't remember. We have one guy hurt right now. We have the other guy struggling. So, you know, who the, who the hell knows? These guys got to figure themselves out. We got to get healthy. Severino's got to get back on the right track. Like, all these things need to happen. What, what, what leads me to, to more confidence is that if the Yankees are in that game and they're able to um, get through that game, whoever pitches, you know, we have guys that have come over now in the middle of the season that, that there's, there's a confidence level with. There's, you know, Jay Happ and Lance Lynn have pitched very well since they've come over. And I do think there's a confidence there. And, I, I, like, as of right now, if we're looking at things right now, like, I'd have no problem giving them the ball in any, in any start because they've done nothing but good things so far. And, and, you know, we haven't been able to say that for, for a lot of the guys in the, in the rotation throughout the year. I mean, I think CeCe's been pretty damn consistent, you know, as far as uh, the, the whole year. Like, he's been probably one of the more consistent guys. Um, so you have uh, – there's depth, you know. There's not, like, another number one by any means, but there's depth of guys who can give you quality starts. A lot of number three and a halves. Yeah, but you know what? When you have an offense – Obviously not like it's going right now, but if you're healthy and you have Aaron Judge and you have Gary Sanchez back and you have an offense that's ready to go um, into the playoffs and, and hopefully that's where we are. It seems like you know they're, they're making sure that these guys are healthy so that that stretch run, they can be ready to go and that offense can start clicking. Because when you have that offense going, you, know, you, you need pitchers to keep you in the game. Like, you don't need every single one of them to be a dominant guy. Yeah, and speaking of the offense uh, and Duhar, got to talk about him because he's been absolutely raking since the all-star break second in the american league in batting average since the all-star break at 355 he has 34 doubles he had another one tonight which puts him on pace for about 45 doubles which would actually top joe dimaggio's rookie season uh in doubles for 1936 which is also the yankees rookie record of 44 doubles um very close to the al rookie record in doubles fred lynn in 47 so He's just been an extra base hit machine. 19 home runs, hit a home run tonight as well. He's leading the Yankees in batting average. Um, he's, he, do, he does not – he him and Stanton have been the only constants really in the second half offensively. 
Yeah, and I, he's up there. When you look at the numbers, uh, I think it was him and Chapman on the on the top of the board for, since the All Star break on 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 uh, guys hitting in the American League. He's I think hitting three fifty five oh, when they, when they like, threw what up a stat. They were talking about Rawls Chapman. I was like, what are you talking about? No, yeah, no, no, gotcha. Chapman on the uh, yep. Oakland A's. Yeah, like they've been raking. So the funny thing is, if you start looking at what uh, Manny Machado has done over in yeah. uh, the Dodgers, I think he's hitting like low two hundreds. He only has a couple home runs. Yeah, like look at the production and level. The Dodgers of, have been in a tailspin last week. Yeah, it's just funny when you look at, you know, like in, in cash we trust because some of the moves that he made um, were, were very good. Uh, you know, some of the moves that he didn't make were very good uh, because a lot of people were pining for, for getting a guy like Machado over there when obviously that doesn't solve any of the problems that the Yankees had. And, and, and you know, we were screaming that from the rooftops for a long time. But the fact that he is coming out here and um, I mean, he's just he's basically carrying the offense. Uh, you know, him and Stanton are, are, are two of the the big guys in the in the lineup right now and he's been phenomenal he's really been unbelievably good if he could show a little bit more patience at the plate i think this can be learned maybe it's something that he adds to his game next year if he can add a little bit more plate discipline i think he could be an elite offensive player and i know you might be saying well he's got 50 50 something extra base hits how is he not already elite it's because he's batting like 296 and only has a 320 something on base percentage which that is not considered an elite offensive baseball player at this point, but he can hit the damn ball. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at the progression though through the season. Even I mean, after the after the All Star break, he's you know he's hitting three fifty five or three forty something now. I think after this game, but I mean, the, you're, that that to me shows some more discipline as well. I mean, when your batting average is going up, you know, you're not obviously you're uh, you're putting the ball in play more, and and, and good things are happening. So. You know, he's, he's looking for his pitches, and, and I'm not seeing those egregious swings like we saw early in the season. So I, I think we're seeing a guy get better at the plate, and I think discipline's one of those, you know, one of those attributes that he's improving on already. <clears throat> so on the flip side of being good, we have Greg Bird, who finally reached 600 uh, Major League Baseball plate appearances, which is, quote-unquote, a full season. I think maybe we should throw him a parade or, or send him sort of, some sort of fruit basket to just congratulate him on, an, an, on it taking him three seasons to get to 600 plate appearances. But if you look at his slash line for those 600 plate appearances, 222, 312, 446, which is WRC plus of 103, which is just barely above league average. And for first baseman, it's below average. Yeah, man, he's been he's been downright not good. I mean, he's just been bad. He's been we we've now we've now seen him, and I think that was the, always the that that's always been the excuse for Greg Bird. Oh, well, let's just see when he can get to uh, you know when he gets the at bats when he when we can actually see what he is as a player. Um, and now, like you said, he hit 600 major league at bats. What is he? And and I know there's a lot of things that go into that because if you're not getting that in a season, you're getting you're spreading that out. It's hard to make a judgment still. But, you know, that's part of his narrative. Part of the, the, the storyline to his career is that he's not able to stay healthy enough to get into that groove. So I don't know what he is. I don't know what he is. The Yankees don't know what he is. Greg Bird doesn't know what he is. You know, is he? maybe he's hurt. Maybe he's hurt because the last time he was hurt, nobody knew about it for a long time. Who knows? Oh, that would be hilarious. Maybe that bird bone is growing back in his, in his ankle and there's something, you know, he's got some, uh, some bad things going on. I, I have no idea. The guy were, is uh, he's not showing to be a good baseball player right now, though. Do you remember the home run off Andrew Miller? I do remember that. It was a great home run. He can hit lefties, apparently. Uh, he did have a tremendous postseason. Three home runs with a 938 OPS and 54 plate appearances. Again, we've said this a thousand times with Greg Bird. It's the potential of Greg Bird that is frustrating about him. We know what he can be. The do Yankees, we? Do we? I don't even know what he can be. 
Why well, do we, we know what we he know can he, be? Okay, let, let me. Why let do we know it. what he? Because Susan Waldman thinks he's the best hitter in the Yankees organization. Can I rephrase, can I rephrase it, uh, please? We know he has the potential to be a good hitter. Do you do agree we? with that? Yes, <laughs> I mean, because he was a good short... hitter in 2015 when he came up and replaced Teixeira, and he was a good hitter in September and October of last year. We've seen him. Uh, yeah, we've seen him in so, short, small sample short, size. short bursts. I understand short, short bursts. and we've seen it in the minor leagues. So and spring you know, training. At spring training, as we all know. But, uh, you know, we have not seen it in the major league level on a consistent basis. And, and part of that is because he's not been there because of injury, which you can't blame the guy for being injured. It's just his body seems like it's injured a lot. And they grow extra bones, weird things that are happening. And he's just not shown it. I, I don't know what his potential is. Like, you're, you're saying, let's look at these pockets. And, and I'm saying, okay, those pockets are great, but show me that more often. Show me of that course, on a, that's on a, a fair. On a, that's fair. Yeah. So I, I can't even say that that's his potential right now because I'm not, you know, I could bottle a, um, you know, a couple of guys that, that had some, some good stretches. Shelly Duncan hit a ton of home runs with the Yankees in a short amount of time, you know, but was his potential that short burst? No, it was not. Shane Spencer. Well, yeah. Is he the one that's in jail? No, oh, that's, that's the Chad. other one. Is that I Chad get, Curtis? Yes, I always get them confused. Oh, do not mix up Chad Curtis and Shane Spencer. Well, I do. So, um, so with Bird, all right, let's play another hypothetical question for you. Greg Bird just continues to be mediocre for the rest of the season. Do the Yankees try and do something at first base for next year? They're going to have to. They're already doing it now. They're already splitting at bats. They're not. He's not playing against lefties. If you have a starting first baseman that's your guy, you don't do that. You don't you don't sit him against uh, against lefties, not even you know the tough lefties, but against lefties that are playing for the Texas Rangers that nobody even knows what their name is. Like those are the guys that he's sitting for. So yeah, they're going to look at options because right now he's proving he's proven that he you know he's not he he hasn't done anything yet. So I don't know what they could possibly look at and say. Okay, yep, this guy is our first baseman for the next ten years. I I don't know where you can see that. Did you see my dumb trade proposal? No. Uh, so Greg Bird's from Colorado. Yes. So in the offseason, you go, you approach the Rockies with Greg Bird and a prospect for Nolan Arenado since they're not going to be able to sign him. And then you move Van Duhar to first base. <clears throat> Why does it have to be Colorado? So you have to do it in person? It's got to be like a sneak attack? It's because like, oh, Greg Bird's going to come home. He's thin air. That might help his ankle. High altitude. You know, going to hit a lot of home runs. I don't know. Maybe. I just want Nolan Arenado. He's a really good third baseman. Uh-huh. And Andrew solves not. The, solves, solves the defense. Solves the defense. Let's stick Andrew Hart at first base. Let him mash at first base. He's got good reflexes. You know, he can handle the uh, the glove, I think. It's the footwork. So Yeah, yeah when you back up on a ground ball at first base, it's not as debilitating as when you do it at third base. We did see A-Rod do that a few times, though. And the way that he turns his glove and can't play the awkward hops. And it was pretty brutal. Well, Pretty I think brutal. that was in protest for not wanting to play first base. Oh, he's just I'm refusing. I think he was guessing, actually. I think he was just guessing on where the ball was going to go, just like he does at the plate. Uh, final topic before we uh, call it a night is Neil Walker has been playing right field, which I, th- I say thank God that we do not have to watch the uh, Sugar Shane Robinson experiment out and there it's, in right and, field anymore. And he's played a good right field, I'd say. Whatever. Doesn't, even doesn't if it's have an arm. Average. Even if doesn't it's have an arm, average, it's fine because 
he's just a stopgap until Aaron Judge is healthy, which there were some updates today. Brian Cashman was talking on the radio that it's taking a little bit longer on Aaron Judge. He still doesn't have like the full strength and mobility in his wrist. So I think we're looking at like early September return for Greg Bird at this for um, uh, Aaron Judge at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'll take a Greg Bird return in early September also, please, uh, for 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 uh, five hundred, Alex. The look, yeah, they're going to take their time with him and and Neil Walker and right field. I mean, I, I think to say that he's just been league average, even like I, I one the guy hasn't played there. You're sticking him out there and he's doing it and I, I he's doing well. I mean, he stole an extra base hit. You know, some would say it was a home run depending on your angle, <laughs> but it was it was close. It was a, a, a play against the wall. He felt the wall, played it very nicely. Um, he doesn't have an outfielder's arm. That's very obvious. But he can cover ground and catch the ball. So, you know, uh, good for him. And, and I'm glad he's out there. I, I'm starting to like Neil Walker a lot, <laughs> partly because the team is just not that great right now. And he's standing out as a guy that's going all over the place and doing everything he possibly can to help this team win ball games. And I respect that. And I encourage people, they, t- they touched on it on the broadcast today, but uh, about this Roberto Clemente and Neil Walker's dad story, which I was not aware of, but um, it's kind of going re-viral from a few years ago. Apparently, Neil Walker's dad was supposed to be on that plane with Roberto Clemente that crashed. And bef- sometime before they got on the plane, Clemente told him, we don't have enough room. You should stay here. You're a young kid. You should party for, I think it was over New Year's Eve. You should party, be with your family, etc. And he stayed. Obviously, the plane crashed. This was before Neil Walker was born. And for that reason, Neil Walker and his family has always idolized Roberto Clemente. He was drafted by the Pirates and the whole, he came up with the Pirates. So a very weird, eerie kind of story. Um, it's, uh, I read it on Newsday today. Yeah, no, it's that's it's a it's a crazy story when you when you look at like a lot of the uh, the fact that he got drafted by the Pirates and the fact that he wouldn't even be there, um, it's pretty wild. Definitely go check out the story. It's it's one of those um, it's one of those weird baseball stories, almost almost uh, similar to the the, the one with uh, what happened last year with the uh, Field of Dreams and uh, Moonlight Graham. Oh uh, yeah, and Fowler. the injury and the injury to Dustin Fowler that was just weird, freaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's baseball, Susan. That's baseball, Susan. So many parallels. So many parallels to this great game. Um, And some other options that the Yankees could look at if they don't want to keep trotting Neil Walker out there in right field is Ryan McBroom in the minors, who they could add to the 40-man roster. I think it's an easy subtraction with Shane Robinson. Just put McBroom in there. uh, Some more depth. Cessa just got optioned. Okay, beautiful. So someone else is coming. It's probably going to be a pitcher. Yeah. But um, also Curtis Granderson and Danny Valencia cleared waivers. Yeah, and those are two guys. I mean, obviously, uh, Granderson could play the outfield and will give you a little bit of pop off the bench. Um, we know what he is. He's, he's definitely declined as a player, but um, he, you know he's a great, great dude and has played in Yankee Stadium before, uh, had some good years. So that, that could be something that they'd look at, especially if, if Judge is going to be out a little bit longer. And then Valencia plays all over the place, right? I mean, he, he plays, yep. I think he plays first base too. Um, but that's a guy that, that has hit in the past and can play all different positions. So uh, it's, it's, he's kind of another Neil Walker. Right, yeah. Uh, but that's better than Shane Robinson. Yeah, it's 100% better, better than Shane Robinson. But I feel like Shane Robinson doesn't need to be on this team any longer if Neil Walker could play right field. But he has a nickname jersey. Yeah, he doesn't have to. They can burn that jersey. It's actually not even a nickname. It's just his name. <laughs> uh, well, if they bring the Grandy Man in, can you imagine the clubhouse chemistry with Curtis Granderson and Ronald Torres in the clubhouse off the charts off the charts the toe night show 
will become definitely the highest rated show uh, in, in, uh, in, in late night. There's no doubt about it. Like Granderson's an epically nice guy. I think that's the key to success. Well, Chase Headley was a nice guy that we're missing in the clubhouse right now. And what, what, what did that done for us? We were uh, one, you know, how, how many outs away from the World Series with, uh, with the nicest guy in the world there? How about we add another nice guy like Curtis Granderson to this team and see what happens? You know, maybe good things happen when you have nice people on the team. <laughs> maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I just think Luis Severino uh, needs to start pitching better and it has nothing to do with hashtag team chemistry. I think team chemistry absolutely has something to do with uh, the way that the team plays. The team is, uh, is flat right now. They're not dancing. They're not doing any of this stuff. So all that stuff does matter. It's, it's, uh, you play baseball, a child's game, better when you're loose and having fun. And if you're not having fun, you're not going to play good baseball. That's the bottom line. If you don't have a loose clubhouse, if you don't have a loose dugout, and that's one of the reasons I thought Aaron Boone was brought in here was to keep that thing light, to keep it uh, fun and, and just you know a player's manager guy to keep things loose, keep it going. Like That's one of the biggest attributes for him. And that was what was sold. That's what you look at with his personality. And even he's become pretty stoic, it seems, because he could tell, you could tell that the team is just not clicking right now. Pressing. And maybe a guy like Granderson or, or even McBroomy. I, I think that guy's kind of a joke. You're already adding a, a Y. You're already adding a Girardi yeah. Y to the end of his yeah, name. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. It's, uh, it just fits too well. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, the Ref Snyder effect. He was traded for Ref Snyder. Maybe he's going to come up and just be this dynamic guy that, that can come up from uh, the minor leagues and, and give a little spark. A little McBroomy spark. All right. We're going to leave it there. Uh, reminder, guys, uh, for those coming to the 1998 Celebration BP Crew event on Saturday, 10 a.m., be at the bar bright and early for breakfast beers for 20 years at the dugout. And also give us a rating and review in iTunes, and you have a chance to win one of those T-shirts. We will talk to you guys on Monday. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com